0: Welcome aboard the battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax, and thank you for listening, David. Yes. How you doing?
1: Uh, I'm in. A, I'm in a really good mood, actually. Other than being being sick. Yeah. Um. It's our 249th episode, right? Um. Even though we've just recorded our 250th episode. Yes, and you guys
0: are in for a treat.
1: <laughs> no, it's going to be. A, yeah. it's It was a lot of fun. Um. Uh. Some some guests we've had uh, on a couple times and people who've done our live shows um uh but and, and it was a sort of raucous like fun it, it, we don't worry we stuck to movies a lot a lot more than i expected yeah. to um we didn't go very in depth but no but yeah. we, we did talk about movies um uh, and so it, it was it was a lot of fun and so <coughs> we wanted to do i guess for the lead-up to our 250th episode because we feel like it's kind of a milestone. I mean, every 50, mm-hmm. every 50 episodes we treat like a milestone, but 250 seems like a... That's a big number. Yeah. I mean, we're halfway done, right? <laughs>
0: Here's the thing. Like, my first, my first instinct is like, halfway done? Does that mean we're stopping at 500? And then I
1: realized, like, 500 jeez i hope we're done by then good lord <laughs> no i i would i would do this forever so i am i am i, I kind of want this to be this episode to be maybe a little more um sentimental maybe a little more sentimental yeah uh because i am feeling kind of sentimental um it's funny i'm thinking of things to say that i already said in episode 250 but that i want to uh, I, I don't want to I can't reference them obviously because that'll go up next. It's yeah. a, it's a it's a weird thing about podcasting. You'd think after two hundred fifty episodes, I'd know how to do it without calling attention to it. We're uh, through the looking glass, people. Yeah. <laughs> That's... Um, but what I, what I was going to say is that twenty eleven. I still haven't landed on how I'm going to pronounce these years. By the way, it's off putting. Which one? Uh, it- the whole thing. Okay. Because sometimes like, I say 2011. I think I probably say that more often, but sometimes I say 2011. I think
0: I I think I think say 2011. Next year, I think I'm going to bump into the 20s. I'm going to yeah. say 2012, 2013, 2014. <laughs> I don't know why, but uh, 2011,
1: I, I, I haven't... Well, you know, I said 2010, but I think the fact that 11 starts with a vowel and 20 ends with a vowel is that. weird. So yeah. I like saying 2011. So I have that hard stop anyway this is not uh, that's not what the episode's about yeah um 2011 (laughs) has been a really good year for battleship retention Mm -hmm. uh our 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 best year yet but um hopefully not our best year um ever Uh, i think 2012 will be even better things are going well for us they um you know we're still looking forward to them going going better but uh I kind of wanted this to be, like you said, a little schmaltzy, sappy, sentimental episode. Um, not just about the year, but about the past 249 weeks of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and this is very strange because, I'll be honest with you, it's usually me that kicks this kind of thing off. I usually think of myself as the the one that is a bit more uh, sentimental and nostalgic and, as you say, schmaltzy mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And so uh, for you to have uh, suggested this... Uh, was quite uh
1: well off putting.
0: <laughs> no, that's 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 not true, but But uh, it just
1: the it it lines up we really did start um doing like really bumping up the website yeah in the written content and having other people and getting the and, you know writing reviews and going to screenings and stuff um right at the beginning of January. So it's been yeah it's been this year that that we've done it it's and it's um frankly it's when did we when did we
0: put the new site into effect though not right away
1: no cuz the first reviews uh from when we started getting press screenings went up on the old site Okay, so i can't remember when that was if it was uh february maybe even early march that yeah, th- th- right that's around there uh, the the website changed but um nevertheless the, the efforts started going in a little early um Oh no, I didn't even figure I was gonna say sorry what was that where was I going what did I what had I said you said it's been it's been a year mm mm-hmm. it's been about oh a year. yeah and um honestly it's th- this year has reinvigorated me about the about battleship retention mm-hmm. um not that I was like ready to throw in the towel or anything but um there was a time and I used to joke about it during the podcast when I said i'm uh, I am essentially just a personality. I just, I just would show up once a week and talk. Just an empty suit. And you did most of the work <laughs> for the podcast. Okay. Yeah. Um. And we uh, deciding to expand and the, do the website and stuff has really, uh, like I said, reinvigorated me. Now you and I both do a lot of work, as do. Um, Scott and Kyle and, uh, Daniel and Jack. Matt and Jack and Josh and to some extent, Jason and Charles, Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, Rudy a couple times, mm-hmm. uh, when he, when he deigns to throw something our way. Um, <laughs> why do you hate Rudy? <laughs> I, I, I love Rudy. When he condescends to send us something. <laughs> um, so, uh, it, like I said, it's reinvigorated me about the podcast, about my um, worth and maybe even future as a critic. Um, I mean, I think there were times more than a year ago when I would sort of, if someone had referred to me as a film critic or, like, an internet critic because I do this podcast, I would, like, almost embarrassed, like, say, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not a critic. Yeah, But now I really... I really do think of myself that way because I'm writing uh, reviews every week I'm seeing movies i'm I'm probably thinking about movies even more in depth yeah. I, I mean this is the thing we talked about a few weeks ago just because we graduated film school doesn't mean either of us stopped learning about movies right we're still that's I mean that's part of the fun of doing this podcast uh, is to still be engaged with movies and and uh, to continue our education so Again, not only am I reinvigorated about Battleship Retention and about uh, who I am as a thinker about movies, I'm reinvigorated about movies in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, at this time last year, I was probably more into TV. I think I'd said so. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, on the podcast that I was watching more TV than movies. Um, and that's, uh, it's more even now. <laughs> I still watch a lot of TV because the medium calls for more time. Right. Uh, because, you know a series instead of just two hours but um but it's also it's also i don't mean to put
0: this in any kind of negative way it's also easier i mean you are at home yeah and with a dvr you don't have to be somewhere at a specific time yeah. you don't have to leave you know you don't have to put anything on <laughs> uh you know so it's uh it's it's easier to to maintain tv especially these days than than movies
1: so all, the, all this is to say that um i'm in a really good uh place right now so i'm probably gonna get hit by a bus or something um uh, and i wanted to use this episode for us to like i said look back on not only the past year but the past 249 weeks absolutely how, how, how are you feeling right now uh december 19th 2011 uh about battleship retention about movies and about yourself uh <laughs> well that's a. Uh I mean, the stuff that would go in a therapist's office, you can leave in a therapist. Yeah, you can go office.
0: listen to Gil Martin's podcast to hear how I'm
1: doing. Um, but, uh, no, it's... Uh, I, I haven't listened to that, by the way. That episode? No, that podcast. Oh. You know what? This episode... Never mind. What? <laughs> Nothing. I just... I was going to be snarky, and I want to try and be positive on this episode. Yes. Once in 250
0: episodes, Okay. Um, of course you couldn't keep it up. Um, (laughs) but, uh, no, I, I, okay. I, I, I won't sugarcoat, uh, listeners know. And we've talked about on the show Mm -hmm. that this has been kind of a rough year for me for as far as I can tell, no particular reason. Mm -hmm. Um, I was dealing with, uh, for the first time in my life, diagnosed depression and, uh, that was rough. And so, because, you know, it's, I hate to, and that's the other thing is you don't think that you personally have any views on depression. Mm -hmm. You think, oh, and you know, it's fine. I I have friends who suffer from depression. It's not the end of the world. And then someone says, well, you you are this. And then you're like, oh shit. But it becomes like the worst thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, and the thing about doing, uh, this podcast in the midst and I, you know, and I've written both on the more than one lesson website and, and, uh, battleship pretension. I've written a couple of things that maybe were a bit too personal. And, uh, because I always tried to, well, on the BP side, I always tried to make it come back to film. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and, and what's astounding to me is that as, tough as this year has been, and it's it's doing significantly better now uh, due to any number of things, but uh, as bad as the year has been for me personally, the worse it got, the more supportive the listeners were, um, both for BP and More Than One Lesson, and even listeners when I was a guest on, you know, like I mentioned Gil Martin's show, when mm-hmm. I was a guest on that show, um, you know, I got a... There are <laughs> all right. Well, there are a couple of uh, people here and there who, you know, that the vibe on on his show it's a very it's a very good show. The vibe on his show is so uh, generally up with people, and you know, you are not alone, and trying to be encouraging, and that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the minute I I decide, and everyone talks about, hey, you know, whatever gets you through the day. Mm-hmm. Of course, if you say what gets you through the day is God, if you actually have the audacity to give it a name, well, then people will come and say they they can't uh, snatch that hope away from you fast enough.
1: Even people who listen to that show?
0: Oh, absolutely. Huh. Oh, very much so. Um, it, that is not Paul, by the way. Paul oh, was a no, no. perfect gentleman. Um, very, very encouraging. But, uh, and, but that's the thing. That, that's some people. Other people were very, very complimentary. So <clears throat> all that is to say that, like, This show has, for me, meant a number of things uh, since we started it, and in this last year, especially, because the website has been growing, and so our audience has been growing, uh, but also we have developed uh, relationships with our bloggers, and the very fact that they are willing to do this for free. Yeah. I mean, they, they get, you know, they get to go to screenings for free and that's, they get some DVDs and Blu-rays. Yeah. And, and that's basically how we pay them. Yeah. Um, but still like, Oh, and people they, get to be rude to them on our website. Oh, exactly. Oh yes. <laughs> that's the other thing. So, um, and so the fact that, that they're willing to do that, like, we speaks. got one guy,
1: by the way, who is, I, he's combing the website for references to Krzysztof Kieślowski and, uh, Man, that guy, <laughs> that guy is a piece of work. Yeah, thanks for keeping us honest about Kislavski, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Positivity, um, right. positivity.
0: <laughs> it's fine. And so, um, and that's the thing is uh, the fact that that people like him because he's still a, that even that listener uh, or not listener, but that reader. Mm-hmm. Um, even though his his attitude is probably could be better, he's still an informed person and he mm-hmm. still has very mm-hmm. strong, intelligent opinions. Um, about uh, Kieslowski. And so the fact that we've gotten big enough to start to attract people that probably don't like us or, or agree <laughs> with us, uh, that's actually a good thing. But that's that's neither here nor there. So th- just the f- the social element of podcasting has... It's always been there for me, but this last year, as I've really been going through some pretty, pretty rough shit, uh, and to have the the listeners and the readers, uh, email and tweet and Facebook comments, uh, you know, encouragement and, you know, just compliments and stuff like that. Like, you know, admit, admittedly for a while, I certainly wasn't in any position to receive them. Uh, but that didn't stop anybody from, from saying, putting it out there anyway. And so, uh, for me, this last year has been, as negative as, as it has been it has been uh, incredibly positive and as as I've sort of as I've been kind of coming out of the uh, depression haze in the last uh, couple of months um, I can look back on this year and realize that while it may have contained a great deal of I I personally personal failing on my part I realize oh my gosh I am and I even have a hard time saying it I am like loved by not merely friends and my wife and all that, but I mean there are are listeners that have just been treated me literally like a like a close friend, and uh, and so that for me has been has been this year and my and to bring it back around to kind of what you were saying in the last couple of months as I've kind of gotten out of this a little bit, um, it's still there but uh, just in uh, more manageable form. Um, <clears throat> I have been reinvigorated by film and by podcasting. And that's something that we've talked about a little bit is just like at the end of an episode for a while, I would just be looking forward to guest episodes. It's nothing against you, but Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like, I, I don't want to listen to me and I assume no one else does. So I just want, I'll just try to get an interesting guest and hold my own with the guest, but really just have a showcase for this much more interesting person (laughs) that someone might, would actually want to listen to. Um, and as time, but as time has gone on, like whenever, you you know, you and I talk for an hour and a half, two hours about, (laughs) about something like, like our, our episode last week, you know, at the end of it, I I was just, I'm just so invigorated by it and just like, Oh, this is awesome. I love thinking about movies like this. Uh And, um, and so that and that has come about in this year as well. I've kind of been re-energized in podcasting and i don't I don't write as much as as the other guys and I don't really go to as many screenings um, uh, partially because I've been kind of on and off working on a been working on a writing project on the on the side and uh, but because I've <clears throat> been able to kind of scale back my work I, I'm now able to do both so all that is a long... That's that's a long answer about this year. I will talk more about the show in general in a moment. But uh, for me, that's what this year has been.
1: Okay. Um, let's... I also want to talk about... Um, uh, you know, I should have looked up but uh, when our first episode was. March, March 2007. March of 2007. I don't remember the exact date. Um, I'm in a very different place in my life almost five years uh, later... Um, is that, is that, is that true of you? I mean, you're in the same place. I, I've, in many ways, I'm in exactly the same place. In the, you're in the same
0: apartment. Um, uh, but, uh, there are, there are some external circumstances that are different. Um, and, uh, but from a personal standpoint, as far as relationships and just the direction my life has taken, uh, I'm in a very different place. Yes.
1: Yeah. I, I was, in 2007 when we started, I was living in a different apartment than I am now, mm-hmm. uh, with a different girlfriend than mm-hmm. I have now. Same cat. Same cat. Um, uh, same joie de vivre. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no one would ever,
0: ever <laughs> apply that term to you.
1: I don't think that's true.
0: I mean, I guess there are people who wouldn't understand what it meant. <laughs> There's always the
1: misinformed. <laughs> um, but I was also working as an usher slash concession guy at a uh, at a movie theater. The Arclight, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, a movie theater. Now, look at me. I'm wearing a tie. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and
0: they specifically did not have ties at the Arclight no, in that yeah. uniform, and that bothers me It's weird, because you got to gotta button day. the shirt all the way up. Button the shirt all the way up, no tie. And no Ugh. jacket. Yeah. Yeah. And the shirts are purple. Like, it's a very 80s looking...
1: I don't think they're purple. They're blue. Whatever. It's a deep blue, but they're blue.
0: A royal blue, I would say.
1: I don't think it's that uh, vibrant.
0: All right. I
1: think it is closer to a purple, but it's still blue. They need anyway, to add ties to that thing, is all I'm saying. Bow ties. That's where you got to go. Ugh. No, thank you. You don't like bow ties? I hate bow ties. Oh, bow ties are great.
0: Well, as you know, I've got a bit of a gut, and so for me, the tie is a way of... Of course, a tie doesn't cover your gut, but it's a way of distracting, whereas a
1: bow tie is like, hey, everybody, no. look at this vast expanse of no. stomach. Yes, that's why you wear a vest with a bow tie. Fair enough. Yeah. Vest goes with a bow tie, you uh, you show a little <laughs> less shirt. Okay. Uh, right, I read that somewhere. Um... <laughs> And I I was also still foolishly trying to work in production Mm -hmm. in movies. I worked at the Arclight. I worked for four days. I quit my job at the Arclight in such a way that I couldn't come back to work uh, on a movie that got canceled four days into development. That's right. (laughs) Uh, Then spent uh, an interminable six months uh, working as a PA at the worst place I've ever worked um, that I won't talk about here. Mm-hmm. Not the hardest job I've ever had. One of the easiest, actually, but still the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, then I was closed captioning. Then I was writing for Metro Mix, which was nice until they let me go. I was a freelance, and I was never hired by Metro Mix. Like, eh, that's not the point. Uh, then I was working temp jobs. Then I got an office job. Now I got uh, almost a year ago, I got a new office job where I, you know, wear a tie and can afford to wear a tie um uh i i honestly think um and call them collared shirts man yeah it's no I, in, I, in this economy uh, <laughs> i i run all that down as a way of saying that my life has even even more than tyler's changed quite a bit in the past five years um and uh all for the better um And Battleship Retention has been a constant and has changed for me along with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many different places have we recorded, you know? Weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, at a certain point we settled into here, which I'm glad about. I like that I can – I don't know how you feel about me coming to your house every week, but I like that it's not at my house.
0: (laughs) I I like that it is at my house, just aside from the – in spite of the fact that I've known you at this point 12 years, um, I still will kind of scramble to clean up, even though it's just you. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Joking. I clean up the bathroom specifically. Okay. Because that place is just a mess. (laughs) Um, That place is a train-spotting
1: mess. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, what I'm I'm saying is that um, I think a part of... The through all the changes, even though they've been changes for the best, pretty much all along the way, um, I've been doing Battleship Retention and caring about Battleship Retention for the most part, except for some fallow periods like I talked about. Uh, and I think it has it being a constant, and the listeners being a constant, um, and also the the friends that we've made. You know, I mentioned I mentioned Rudy, and of course like uh, Ryan as well from Criterion Cast, meeting them at at Comic-Con and some other people meeting uh, the slash film guys yeah. um, uh, at, uh, you know, at, at, at Comic-Con and being on their shows and meeting Dave when he came out here, just like the, the people that I've gotten to meet um, has been a, a positive force uh, in my life for five years um, and, and a constant. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's my schmaltzy stuff. Uh Okay, I think I'll, I, I'll see you and
0: uh, raise it. Um, <laughs> okay. I probably won't raise it, actually, but because no, your, your circumstances are more dramatically
1: changed than mine. Yeah, but I do eventually want to get into how how Battleship Engine has changed the way we watch movies. That's fine. And I um, want to do it without mumbling, if I can. <clears> so okay. So I'm going to take a drink of water. And, uh, by the way, uh Dave was
0: sniffling a little bit. He's not getting misty. He's just got. My, he has what I assume is my
1: cold from the last few weeks. Possibly, yeah. Um, it's a, It started as a tickle in my throat this morning. Yep. And I thought I woke up with my throat feeling like I had smoked a bunch of cigarettes last night, mm-hmm. but I didn't. When's the last time you smoked? No, I had a cigarette last night. Oh, all right. But just one. Okay. Um, and so I was like, in the shower, I was like, "What did I? <clears throat> why do I have this?" And then, like, on the drive to work, I was like, "Oh, I know what this is. Smoking is bad for me." Yeah. And then over the course of the day, it just. It just compiled. I hate you know, that. Yeah, and, and I'm definitely sick. I'm feeling a little woozy right now. That kind of thing. Yeah, I, I love the term woozy. Do you? Because because it's, it's uh, because it is what it sounds like. Oh yeah. All right.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to think of other words like that.
1: I well, can't. the 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 um, if you remember the episode of The West Wing that Ian McShane was on when he was the delegate from Russia, oh, yeah. and he said that. Uh, they want the president to wear a coat when he goes visit Russia, visits Russia, because all the American presidents bound out of the car, not wearing a coat. And in comparison, the Russian president looks and he's searching for the word and Rob Lowe says frumpy. And he's, and he changes like, uh, he's like, I don't know what that means, but onomatopoetically it works. <laughs> and Roblo is like, you gotta love a guy who doesn't know frumpy, but knows onomatopoetically. <laughs> and, um, that's a good episode. But, uh, it's one of my favorites, actually.
0: <coughs> so, um, yeah, uh, at the, um, I'll try to speak a little faster than I did uh, a moment ago. More than I did. I, whatever, you know, <laughs> it's fine. That's, that's what this. Epi- By the way, everyone, this episode is this.
1: <laughs> All right. So if you don't like it, you're done. But we are kind of following the format where the first part we're talking about. <laughs> Not movie stuff. Right. Uh, and then we're going to get into into movies and the movies we've seen over the past five years and, and yeah. stuff like that.
0: I mean, hey, some some people enjoy the personal stuff. By some people, I mean one person, Steph Smith. <laughs> Thanks, um, Steph. But, uh, and maybe friends of ours. But, yeah, yeah um, I,
1: you know what? I shouldn't, uh, I, I mentioned all the people I met at Comic-Con. I didn't mention Steph, uh, whom I met uh, for the first time uh, this year at Comic-Con and had uh, had had a drink at a uh, Fred's Mexican Cafe I wish I could have gone
0: to Comic-Con. Stupid Josh.
1: Anyway. um,
0: Dumb Josh. (laughs) Dumb old Josh getting married. Yeah. That dumb weekend.
1: So, um, anyway. uh, And also, I'm not going to say it on the podcast, but taking away his fiance's awesome last name that I love to say. You can still say it. Whitsky? There's no H in there, though. No, it's W-H-I-T. I I see it that way. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Don't take this from me, Okay, Tyler. I'm sorry. It's all I've got.
0: I'm sorry. Oh, really? Oh, wow, you're changing <laughs> your tune. Um, yeah, so uh, for me, yeah, I came out here, and uh, you worked at a movie theater. I worked at a blockbuster. And uh, right. <clears throat> after uh, several months of working there, after and I had been there at that point with the company for several years, uh, I talked it over with my wife, and I quit with nothing ready. Uh, I quit with no, no other jobs ready, and it, that is, by the way, a testament to how awesome my wife is. I was that about she was to okay say that,
1: that uh, we, we might not still be doing the show if Jenny weren't such an awesome wife.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a big part of it too. Yes, um, she's part of the family. Yeah, and, and now, so, of
1: course, I don't uh, say her name very often because uh, I don't know why. But my girlfriend's name is Natalie, and she she's is, pretty cool too. She is uh, wonderfully uh, supportive and. Uh, especially, you know, this year, the screenings and the live shows and all the time that I've spent oh, yeah. uh, on evenings not with her uh, yeah. has uh, never elicited a single complaint. Nothing but, uh, you know, the support, you should do your thing for your podcast, yeah. for your website, uh, all, all sorts of awesome stuff. Yeah, she also came up with a name for my other podcast. I don't know if I've ever said that. Oh, but I didn't know that. Previously on, that was Natalie's idea. It's a good name. Yeah, I, I agree. Um
0: so, uh, so yeah, so for a while I was unemployed and then I start, and that's the thing, I came out here with dreams of screenwriting, uh, forgetting of course that I'm a deeply undisciplined writer who, by the <laughs> way, uh, is not very good at coming up with plot. I come up with characters that are very strong and don't have anything to do with them. And so, and then I, I don't usually realize until that oh fifty 50 pages in and I'm just like, damn it. Yeah, this isn't going anywhere. <laughs> and so, um, but, uh. But, yeah, so I came out here for that, and I I started interning. I I interned at uh, one production company, discovered I was uh, not at all, to my surprise, by the way, a terrible intern. Um, Very good typist. And I started started covering scripts, and then I interned at another place. I was slightly better there because I was doing a lot more script coverage and that kind of thing. Uh, And then I quit that and started working at... The worst job I've ever worked at, which was at a, a post-production house. Uh-huh. Um, and that was bad because not only was I... Well, first off, the job that I was hired for, I would be very good at. The job that it became, I was not good at. Uh, that was a little frustrating. A little bait, bait and switch there for old Tyler. <laughs> um, but, uh, but throughout these crappy jobs, um, Battleship retention was the constant, and it was the thing that really kept me going. And and, uh, and what's more is, uh, I, I will refrain from getting uh, too Christian about it, but, uh, in about August of 08, um, I really, I was in the throes of this terrible, uh, post-production job and, um, I was, uh, just really, really demoralized and I started getting the feeling that the, as far as like the, uh, the calling for my life and the direction my life was going to take should maybe head more in the direction of film criticism and my first reaction was, why on earth would God ever call somebody to be a film critic? Nobody likes them, uh, and he can't do. And there's no way God could ever do anything with a film critic. The very na- like, we look. We've all read the Teddy Roosevelt quote, all right? About it's not the critic who matters, all right? We've all seen Ratatouille. We all know Anton Ego. Many of us saw Lady in the Water, and I'm sure we all regret it. We know how the world views critics, and so for me from a spiritual standpoint to think why on earth would, would God ever call someone to be a critic? Uh, But then I finally kind of gave myself over to the idea of it and it has paid off in spades for me uh, because being able to talk about movies from the outside. And we've talked about this before recently, the way critics watch movies as opposed to, the way people who make movies watch movies, and when I finally, I'll, I'll I'll say the word. I was reluctant to say it for a long time. When I finally gave up on mm-hmm. the idea of being a writer uh-huh. and moved to to cri- uh, the you idea a, of being, a screenwriter, a screenwriter, right. um, and moved to the idea of being a critic, uh, <clears throat> I, I don't know. When I finally moved over, there was such freedom in being able to talk about movies however I wanted.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, um, so, uh, as I finally, excuse me, as I finally gave myself over to it, it was exciting. It was freeing. And the way in which we could have the conversation changed and sure. I, I became, I was always a little prickly about the idea of, of people bashing critics. Um, and there's still plenty of people online who say like, ah, critics, what do they know? You know, you know, they're just they're just standing in judgment of film, you know? They've never made a movie. And incidentally, I, do, I did have this thought the other day. Chances are, when people say that, it's because a critic has bashed a movie they love. And they say, like, they've never made a movie. What do they know? It's like, well, you never made a movie, so what do you know? Yeah. <laughs> just because... That's the thing. Just because you're coming down in favor of the film doesn't mean you're not judging it. You're judging yeah. it positively. I'm judging it negatively.
1: I think, yeah, <clears throat> not having made a movie is actually probably a good thing, uh... For criticism,
0: oh, I think I think so, and it's.
1: Uh,
0: but it's one of those things, like because movies be, aren't, because movies I aren't ha- made
1: for people who make movies; they're made for people who watch movies,
0: right? And, and
1: I agree, I agree fully.
0: But also, it's that idea, like let's say uh, we liked uh, No Country for Old Men, which we both did, and then I talk to somebody who uh, just somebody who doesn't like those kinds of movies, and they're like, "Oh, that movie sucked." Do I say? You've never made a movie, so what do you know? No, uh-huh. I don't. It's, people only ever say it to critics uh-huh. because critics put themselves out there as people right. who know more. We're on the front lines. We're on the front lines, especially on the Internet. <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, and that's that's the other thing is everything all right there?
1: Not getting any reception in here.
0: Okay. Well, why do you need it?
1: Texting my girlfriend. Oh, okay. Um but <laughs> Is this distracting you? Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. Let me ask you this. If I did this while I was talking? Yeah. Look, I could talk right through it. Alright, fair enough.
0: Um, you know why? I'm not can doing cut this show out, for by you. the
1: way. I'm doing this show for the listeners. Alright, no, we're not cutting this out. Okay, fair this enough. Is gold. Um
0: So the last thing that I'll say is that uh, as everyone knows, I'm very, very neurotic. Um, I never thought of myself that way, but it has become clear pretty quick. Uh, that that's what I am. I don't necessarily like it. I'm trying to fight against it, but there we go. And as far as, like, I I talked about some of the personal uh, changes, I I still have issues with with myself as a critic, as I wrote a fairly uh, long blog talking about, like, this constant worry of being a fraud because I haven't seen this movie or that movie or whatever. Um, But... To go back to what I was saying a moment ago, when you and I talk for an hour about something that could not be more academic, mm-hmm. it is so much fun. And by the way, in that moment, that is where I get any confidence I have in life. I think I'm a. I think I'm a pretty good husband. That's probably as far as I'll go. <laughs> as a friend, I'm deeply flawed. Um, <laughs> And as, as I said, I, as a writer, I'm undisciplined. Like, there's pretty much every element of my life. It's like, okay, I, I'd give myself a C plus, B minus. <laughs> um, and, and again, as a, as certain, when it comes to certain aspects of criticism, I, I, go, I still go B, B minus. But when it comes to the ability to talk, and but what's more is just the excitement in talking and, and knowing that I genuinely love movies. When mm-hmm. people say, ah, critics, they don't like anything. Fuck you. I love movies. And you look positive. I, I, This is this is positive. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of that? <laughs> um, it just, you know, it, I love movies and you love movies. Mm-hmm. And that's really what it's about. And the more I embrace what Battleship Pretension is, the more I realize, much to my surprise, this isn't at all. This this isn't about me. We both have personalities. We both have tastes, And we're exp- and the way we express it is a big part of the show. But. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about films. And if the if what you, the listener, get out of this is a, a new movie that you've never heard about, or if we make you rethink a movie you've already you've already seen, then we've done our jobs. And it doesn't matter if I've seen this movie or that movie. I'll get to it. But like yeah. in that moment, th- and this show has given me that level of confidence, and it's a confidence I lack in almost every other element of my life.
1: Yeah. But also, I, I want to go back to the idea that you and I are constantly learning, and uh, also the thing you brought up, the social aspect of mm-hmm. being on the internet, because um, it's, yeah, it does feel good to, like, write the movie recommendations or mention something and then hear back, like, oh, I watched this because you mentioned the show. Mm-hmm. That does feel good. But at the same time, uh, I've gotten, you know, you get uh, emails or, or, or comments on the on the blogs that mention movies, and it's a... It's a it's a give and take. It's mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a back and forth with the people who are interested in having conversations. By the way, there are always people who are going to write reviews or comments who are not interested in conversations. They're just interested in being mean for no reason, right? Um, uh, Which is a
0: fairly new idea on the internet, I think. Right? <laughs> I
1: think I think it started with our, our website. Actually, <laughs> um, and I'm not talking about just someone who disagrees with disagrees with us. Right?
0: I, I love someone. Dis- there is currently a wonderful conversation. About Mel Gibson.
1: Yeah, that thing has been going on forever, and I keep meaning to like jump back in, but it's buried so deep on the website. I can't yeah, <laughs>
0: and it's, and it's, and it's great. It's two people who, as far as I can tell, disagree a lot about certain things, but there is a respect there, and that's <laughs> okay. Years ago, okay, this is going to be really dumb, and people are going to make fun of me for it. Okay. I look forward to it. And, and but I think I think I've told you this before okay. that uh, I had this kind of dumb notion that through battleship pretension we could at least start to change the nature of online film criticism. Huh. Which is specifically the tone. And even though I did just say fuck you to to <laughs> to people, um, the I the tone is we can it's actually possible for both of us to be right in our uh-huh. uh, in our opinion about the film and our reaction to the film. There are plenty of facts about a film that we can be the one can, one of us can be wrong on. I but think, we but can both. We both have our per, our points yeah. of view. And but do
1: you think you thinking we could change film criticism? It was uh, maybe you were just like not aware of the breadth of film criticism on the internet. It was probably that. There already I, I think was, was at the time, actually a lot of good stuff going on. Th-
0: there there already was absolutely. Um, but uh, and and so. That's why I look back. I see it as, as idealism, but I, I also I mean, realize the that g-
1: general the internet is better for us being on it. That goes without saying. Sure, we have raised the general quality. Yeah,
0: I mean, the, between the the two of us, we have three podcasts. We are quite <laughs> quite an entity. I mean, two. I mean, two of those podcasts are good, but um, which one am I talking about? I don't know. So you're
1: talking about more than one lesson. than previously on.
0: Yeah, I'd say that's about right, um, but they haven't been going as long as this, so I can't say this about uh, about those. Um, so yeah, it's and so when I when I read, at the very least, I don't think we've changed anything at all. But when I do read those comments about Mel Gibson going back and forth, intelligent, respectful comments by people who disagree, I am um, excited that. While we certainly didn't change anything, we at least are giving people a forum in which to do that and in which we hopefully through the show and also through the blogs themselves uh, encourage people to think not necessarily better, but deeper about film and deeper about other film lovers. Because the, the Internet, whether it be about film or, or TV or really anything, there is a, compi- there's a competition there. And what I hope uh, we try to get across is the idea of you don't have to compete with anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, you can actually. what Here's the thing. If somebody says something that you don't agree with or so, how about this? Something you didn't know. Now, you know it. Yeah. You don't have
1: to trump them with what you know that they don't. It's more about a conversation than about being right or wrong. Exactly. It you doesn't have to sound be? like... Who's that? Armand White. Dewey we? Yeah. no. But he's he's right about it's that. It's bound to happen sooner or later. But, uh, yeah, I... I want uh, to take a time out to talk about Armand White. I'm going to shut this door. Go ahead. Um, and, um... Uh, another, another guy that I almost... Will rope in, even though I don't know that much about him. Christopher Hitchens, who died recently. Oh, yeah. Um... I think... It, Some people are – I think a lot of people are worth listening to even if you disagree with a lot of what they say. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot about Christopher Hitchens that rubbed me the wrong way. And there's a little about Armand White that rubs me the wrong way. Mm -hmm. But I also think in defense of Armand White – It's
0: not a sentence that's said very often.
1: No, but I I think if you read his reviews regularly um, and not just the ones where he disagrees with the movie that you liked – um, like a lot of people do, um, there is a consistency to his approach to film. Very much so. Uh, I, that, that's all. That's all. I, I don't want to make this episode about that, but yeah. um, I, I disagree with him a lot, and I do think he has some contrarian tendencies, uh, much like Christopher Hitchens did, where mm-hmm. he sometimes buries the um, power of his actual opinion and statement uh, by... Uh, overstating things for for effect, I think that's a that's a fault that he and Christopher Hitchens both share. Mm-hmm. But um, I do think he's a critic that's worth reading because he's thinking about a film in a way that a lot of people aren't.
0: It, it, very much so. I, I don't think I I agree. I think he's got some contrarian attitudes, which I think probably many of us do. I think a lot of critics probably do. Um, but uh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> so. Um, but uh yeah when you when you read his stuff like sometimes it's outrageous sometimes like Jack and Jill for example can't possibly have all this but he's willing to entertain that it does and the very fact that he's willing to give some films a certain look uh, a second look shows a certain <coughs> there's something kind of admirable about that even even though again yes I disagree with him almost all the time but the very f- I think he legitimately does look at film a different way. Now, the fact that he knows it's a different way and that that different way bothers people, I think he. And sometimes he
1: can be obtuse about the fact that he's looking at film a different way yeah. than other people. Yeah, it and could, it could be he, he can be a little bit hypocritical on the one hand, talking about how uh, the internet uh, film criticism can be a form for discussion, and then him being purposefully obtuse about other people's, right. in fact, most people's. Uh, Criteria for what makes a good film. Right, that is kind of that is kind of a problem.
0: Yeah, and so he so it is it he can be very frustrating. But the idea that he is willing to look at it from a- another point of view—that by the way will get him labeled any number of things—and uh, that he's willing to do that now. Some he might draw energy from that uh, to almost to a fault. But it's not necessarily the worst instinct.
1: Okay, uh, let's get back to. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad you. You got to talk about movies for a while there in in the in the abstract uh, which I like that's kind of what we do um, but I, I want to talk about the specific maybe some specific movies or just specific ways that I watch movies differently, but also a difference of or, or maybe a further understanding of what film criticism is mm-hmm. even though I said at the beginning that I feel more like a critic now because I write reviews um, these academic conversations that you're talking about mm-hmm. um that's that's criticism too i think mm-hmm. um it's not just about reviewing individual movies it's it's about i guess f- talking about movies as a whole but i also feel like as the podcast has progressed we've done a lot more of the academic topics and a lot fewer of the basically the topics which are fun to do but which often turn into just like a list no. it might as well be like a top 10 or something but right. we just didn't number it you know uh and those are fun we do just like Good death scenes is one we always uh, go back to. Um, awesome death scenes, I awesome believe is what scenes. we call it. Yeah, uh, we don't really do a lot of those anymore. Maybe we should. Maybe we are taking ourselves a bit too seriously. Yeah. No. Uh, here, at two and 40, 240 episodes might be a good time for self reflection. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, but. Uh, I, I worry that I'm that. We might be. I'm trying. What I'm trying what I'm trying to get across is that I'm thankful for what the podcast has done for me and the listeners and everything. And I, but I'm worried that I'm coming, that you and I are coming across as like tuning our own horns about how great we are compared to where we were five years ago. Um, Oh no, it's, it, I, I, I don't, I know that's not what either of us mean, but I'm just worried about that.
0: Well, okay. Let me try to diffuse your, uh, your worry. Um, I am in a, I'm in a different, certainly in a different place. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as my, my circumstances, I have a job that I love. It has nothing to do with film at all. Yeah, I, but, but I just wanted... And as far as the show itself, like, even though I do have a great deal more confidence in the way that I speak, I still have such a long way, way to go, not merely in what I see, but I rec- with every new film I see that is great, I'm reminded of just how much I didn't
1: no like it's each each film is yeah and this is gonna sound really cheesy each film is a gateway to my own ignorance (laughs) um (laughs) but what i don't want to sound like we're saying like uh we stunk as podcasters and critics five years ago and now we're great thanks for coming along with us (laughs) we're i think we're better i think i can say that yeah um but there's still a lot of people who are a lot better than we are out there Mm -hmm. in um both podcasting and writing on the internet and writing in print um, and probably on the radio somewhere, too. Somewhere. People, people still doing that? The radio? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, Henry Rollins. He's got a show. I saw him the other day
0: on, uh, Ventura Boulevard. He really? was sitting outside a Starbucks with his laptop on a surprisingly cold night. Yeah? So. Did you go say hi? No, I didn't realize it was him right away because I do not think of Hen- uh, Henry Rollins as having, like, platinum white hair.
1: Yeah, I saw a picture of him recently that someone, like, he was at a Walmart in Kentucky. And it, it like... Uh, someone posted the picture online like hey I met Henry Rollins uh, but you know what I'll bet he's a nice guy if you went up to him oh, I don't I'll bet doubt he's it. super nice to you yeah I don't doubt it that, I, in this if I can go a little off topic but in this world that we and I think a lot of people who listen to us um, live in this internet world where you have to sort of um, create your own thing make your thing is the thing that Jesse Thorne says friend of the show um mm-hmm. Uh, Henry Rollins kind of is a role model, even though he's not thought of as like an internet guy. He is a Mm -hmm. guy who like defined his, I'm sure he would not be happy if I called it a brand, but defined himself and then did what he wanted and got people to come along with him. Yeah. Um, And it's not necessarily a cult of personality either. It's just like he put, he puts in the work to make interesting stuff and he cares about the stuff that he does. Um, yeah, Henry Rollins is a, a role model. I think hmm. a lot of people should look up to him and listen to if if his if his uh, syndicated music show airs on a like public uh, station near you. Here, it's on. I think Saturday nights eight to ten uh, p.m. It's great stuff. Hmm. And he he doesn't just play a block of music and then like talk back like count back the uh, the songs. He like stops between each song and like tells a story about the song and the and the band and uh, it's. He's he's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think Henry Rollins is great. <laughs> let's try to get him. Sure, yeah. Um, He'll bring his own microphone. I don't know if you know that's a thing he does. Oh, I he do does not. Them, when he does his sort of tours of like uh, spoken word stuff. He has his own microphone. that mm. He brings. I don't like that at all.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, what's wrong with my mic? <laughs> all right, so let's let's talk about movies specifically. Okay, because um, there's. The first episode, and I'll bet any podcaster has the same experience. The first episode you do, you end up trashing. Yeah, that's been it that was my experience on both the podcasts mm-hmm. that I've done, um, and the first one we recorded. Which we ended up trying – I don't think it exists anymore. If it does no. – well, no, it doesn't because no. it was. It would be on my ex-girlfriend's computer and I think that computer crashed and everything was lost with it.
0: There is, yeah. I believe, a five-minute clip from it uh, available on, on, our, MySpace on page? our old MySpace page, which That's... I never bothered taking down.
1: Um, but and I guess we were just doing this because it was a trial run. We just decided, even though it was March 2007 – well, I guess that is kind of our MO – to talk about our favorite movies of 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, and I look back at that list of movies now, um, which has of course changed because I've seen some more movies um, from that year. But uh, I-, I was looking at the other day and just th- trying to remember what I had to say about it. And I think, I know, I st- again, I still have a long way to go, but I have a lot, I could talk about film a lot more intelligently or maybe just more confidently is the thing. Because mm-hmm. I remember talking about how one of my top, 10 films of 2006 was borat and that still tr- that still holds true it mm-hmm. is one of my top 10 films um but i remember not being able to articulate and us like laughing about it that's another thing early podcasts uh a lot of hosts laughing at each other which of course we still do but yeah. we're funny now but um
0: <laughs> oh good yes that'll i'm sure that'll, that <laughs> people will be fine with that statement
1: and, yeah, i should put up disclaimers like here i'm being sarcastic when i say the internet is better because of us that's false bravado mm-hmm. uh when i say that we are hilarious false false bravado mm, it's so pretty funny i mean you know. <laughs> uh but i think we we have gotten maybe more aware that we're doing this for the listeners and not just for each other yeah anyway we're getting off topic <laughs> um you know but now i can think about borat and uh think about why uh why you know why I love it so much? It's not just that it is very funny, um, which it is, mm-hmm. but it's that it uses uh, comedy to disarm in a very real way and make points that um, an audience might not be receptive to if they weren't uh, weren't laughing mm-hmm. about them. Which is a thing that good a lot of good good comedy does, but also just um, uh, in terms of structure and form. Um, and, in, in terms of, uh, Sasha Baron, Baron, Sasha Baron Cohen's, uh, personality, the sort of like, uh, gonzo journalistic, uh, type of approach to, uh, to Borat and, um, less so to Bruno, which was bad. uh, Borat, one of my favorite films of that year. Bruno, one of my least favorite films of that year. Hmm. Um, not really looking forward to The Dictator, um, but anyway, uh, all that that I just stumbled through, I couldn't have even said that five years ago, <laughs> even though I'd been to film school. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in film school, you maybe you write about movies, um, but unless you don't, you're not forced to talk about them and you're not forced to write. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess in film school to a certain extent, you are learning. But you're writing, to a certain extent, for the teacher, for the grade. Right. Um, and I care more what the listeners think of me than I do what my teachers thought of me. Uh, so I actually I actually want to be, not necessarily right, but I want to be interesting or insightful about a movie. I guess I want to be right, but I don't want to say that there is a right or wrong when you're talking about movies. Um, uh and, uh, I don't know that I, I definitely didn't have that five years ago.
0: I remember, uh, back in school, um, I was taking a, uh, silent comedy class and I wound up and we wound up, wound up having to write, uh, pretty long papers about, uh, Chaplin, Keaton, Lloyd, and then we were going to do one about Langdon, but due to, uh, various uh, class cancellations due to, uh, weather, uh, we wound up only seeing one of his films and weren't really in a position to write a long paper about uh, uh-huh. the one film we saw, but um, <clears throat> but I remember writing a, a paper about Chaplin, about his um, socialist uh, tendencies in his films, and I wrote the paper because I knew I could, I <laughs> knew there was plenty there, even, th- but I I did not believe Chaplin to be a socialist, mm-hmm. like it's definitely there. Don't get me wrong, like th- those. Some of those themes are there, but I don't believe them, Uh, which is, I don't believe that he would call himself a socialist or a communist or anything like that. But it was an easy, not an easy paper to write, but there's plenty there. So I went, I, I wrote a paper that was good. It got a good grade, but intellectually dishonest. Yeah. And I did it because I could. Right. And then thank, and then. Thankfully, even just from from Chaplin to Keaton, and then from uh, Keaton to Lloyd, I I started to change the way I I uh, wrote papers, and I realized like I- I'm going to write what I want to write. Uh-huh. I you know I don't yeah I th- I think I think there's something left over from the high school mentality of just do what you do what you need to do.
1: Yeah, to way, to get to move on. That's our high school mentality. Plenty of people did do great work in high school oh absolutely no absolutely um, but uh,
0: and so when I when it came time for me to talk about Keaton then I talked all about his obsession with uh, mechanism mm-hmm. and that was something that I did believe very fervently and the more and what's more and this is something that I think has has happened even more so because we are required by nobody by the way uh, except <laughs> ourselves uh, to talk movies for at least an hour every week in hopefully an intelligent way. The very fact that there is an audience holds you accountable. Um, I discovered that the more you believe something or the more you're inve- personally invested in it. Some people would say that the more you're personally invested in it, the more defensive you're going to get of your own, per- your own attitude. And that, that could, that I think that is true a little bit. It's but a risky run. It's a very much so it's a slippery slope. David. <laughs> um, but what is mu- what is much, maybe not more likely, but it, something that is as likely to happen is that the more invested you are, the more interested you are in seeing how deep this goes. This this theory you might have, mm-hmm. um, and so as you explore it further, you may find that it kind of makes a right turn, and you and. The more committed you are to that, the more willing you are to make that right turn and say, "I was wrong initially. Let's see where we go." And so, when I first came up with this idea, it's like, you know, what? man, this chaplain, this uh, this Buster Keaton, sure is fascinated with with uh, experimenting with the camera. That's really something. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, I I think I could write a paper about that. Okay, well, what does that mean? Experimenting with the camera. I mean, that also means experimenting with the editing, and then just like it's weird that a comedian would be so fascinated with just the mechanism of filmmaking, but wait a minute, he's fascinated with mechanism all the time of everything. Like his obsession with trains in the general. And like, like the more I thought about it, the more it's like, holy shit, this goes, <laughs> this rabbit hole goes deep. And, uh, and so it's, and that's, and, and there's the exhilaration that, that we're talking about. Uh, if you're willing to go down this path, Completely, and with as much of an open mind as, as possible, I think it's much. It's so much more exciting and it's so liberating than to just say, uh, Keaton likes machines. <laughs> That's all I got.
1: <laughs> and and doing the podcast has helped you to explore that further. Oh, like
0: abso- absolutely. Okay. I mean, there, there are times now where – and again, I, like you said, I don't want to make it seem like I've got it all worked out now. I still have moments of – stubbornness and being defensive. You know, there are still, you know, I, I don't think I would have liked Tree of Life had it come out four or five years ago. Really? I mean, I, I think I would have appreciated it. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, you know, we, we talk about my general dislike of Mulholland Drive. When you first saw it. When I first saw it. Oh. I have an appreciation for it now, and I would say I'd probably even like it now. Whereas Tree of Life, I loved it from frame one till the end and I was and I happened to see it with a group of people that they, they liked it they appreciated it but they're just like ah. they also like had a lot of problems with it and there's nothing wrong with having problems with yeah. it but the, somehow their their problems as far as what they were able to figure out and not figure out by the way I don't have Tree of Life figured out but um, <laughs> but the very fact that they that it that it's a hard film to characterize one way or the other that was seen as a flaw for them, and I think in the early days of this podcast, I probably was probably a similar way. And as time has gone on, just talking with you and and talking with other guests and, and being a guest on other podcasts, which that again requires you to bring to just really listen to somebody else's point of view. Um, I think I've yeah, come and to.
1: By the way, <coughs> advice to people who are going to appear on other people's podcasts: give that podcast a listen first. Give it a shot. I think we maybe are. Uh I think our first time on the slash filmcast we probably could have uh, <laughs> been a little bit more <laughs> genial or just aware of what they were doing at that time. They were so nice to ask us on and I think we were we kind of like had blinders on to at at that point we still had blinders on to the fact that there was this whole internet film blogging podcasting community. And so I think I was completely unaware that they had like so many more listeners that were like well-known or what slash film.com was. And I was just like, Oh yeah, I'm going on another podcast. I don't think I was mean, but I think,
0: uh, I knew they were bigger than, than us. I think I
1: knew that too, because, <coughs> yeah, but, uh, we definitely, I, I, were I you still, saying there
0: was a bit of a swagger to the way that we were, uh, approaching the whole but situation? The wrong
1: kind. I think I still have a swagger when I go on the Beatles podcast because that's the dumb persona, I guess mm-hmm. that I have. um, but there are times that I think we could have – I wish we could have a do-over on the State of Play <laughs> episode of this That's last That's fine. Broadcast. That movie's not very good. Yeah. I, st- I would still stick by the idea that that movie is not good. Yeah. Uh, didn't care for it. Uh, anyway. And, and – okay. All right. The idea of
0: sticking by something. Okay. I stick by the fact that I think Avatar is not very good. Um, I stick by the fact that I think Kids Are All Right is awful with the exception of some performances. And I know that even just saying awful – Probably caused a little something in you, yeah, and maybe because, and maybe a little something in the listener.
1: Because I believe that you are, um, what's the word? What, what am I trying to say?
0: Awesome. No, is the word you're trying to say? Awesome.
1: Your opinion. You are taking the kids are all right at face value. I think, and that's why you don't like it. And I think that's a, kind of an insult to a film that's much more deeper than its face value. Uh, I, I think your criticisms, is, criticisms have to do with the idea that you think. Uh, I think your interpretation of the film is that the filmmaker believes the things that are said by the characters, and that bothers me. Uh, like I, believe I, when you
0: say believe the things that they say. What, what do you? Uh, what do you mean?
1: Um, I remember one of your biggest problems was uh, Julianne Moore's um, uh, sort of speech of uh, not, I don't even know what the, it's not really an apology but and I don't want to spoil I guess for what happens but you know the, you know, the big yeah, speech yeah, yeah, yeah. she has to Annette Benning no. and it, you said it, that so it was like, like a
0: speech of uh, reconciliation at the very yeah, least yeah. yeah
1: and you said it was a cheap reconciliation or, or something like that uh, mm-hmm. that it was I'm trying to think what the word is that you that you used uh, trite or something like that
0: I also don't think it was well written
1: um, but, but I think – see, that's what I'm saying. I think mm-hmm. it was re- well-written. I think Julianne Moore's character is just supposed to be not very well-spoken and is supposed to be being slightly dishonest with herself even if, the, if she wouldn't admit it in that scene. I, I think there's more going on in that scene than you're giving the scene credit for. And that's why it bothers me when you say it's awful.
0: And I think and, – and this – and so here we are. Um <laughs> You know, one of us is clearly right, and one of us is not. Um, see, and I'm not saying which is which. Um, but uh, that's the thing: is I, I'm I'm perfectly like willing to be flexible on some on on all movies. But what's I think I think maybe five years ago I might have like a just a knee jerk negative reaction to even the very fact that you're calling into question. Uh, my intelligence and, no, not your and inte- I know, your I, interpretation I know stuff. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm playing a character. Um, right. but, uh, <clears throat> but yeah. And, and so like, and my, and uh, my, inst- even my instinct now is a, is a little bit to be like, well, yes, but here's the thing. I'm not saying well-written, like she should deliver a freaking patent like monologue. That's not what I mean. I mean, it's not well-written. I don't think that fits her character. If you want to say she's being in a, uh, dishonest I think she's with being herself dishonest
1: in the, yeah that and that's I would why buy, it comes across I, would buy
0: I would buy that way more
1: than than anything else and but I think she believes she's being honest and I know, I th- have you ever been have you ever been in an argument with a, a boyfriend a girlfriend or wife and uh sort of maybe convinced yourself that you believed the thing that you thought would make the best argument I'm sure I've done it
0: uh I'm sure I probably have yeah um and, that, and that's the thing, is like, make a best argument, yes. Um, it very seldom has happened with me when it comes to an apology. The apology is usually sincere. But, but that's the thing, that doesn't, but that, and I think this goes to what I was saying is, I brought up Avatar and I brought up Kids Are All Right. There's a reason I bring those up, is because, and by the way, I will be lumping the film Hugo in with this. Which is which, I uh, seen. which you haven't seen. That's why, listeners, I'm sure you love that movie, and I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, the there is there is one aspect that dazzles people so much, and it, that's because it is dazzling.
1: The 3D, yeah, kind
0: of. Okay. I, although I didn't see Hugo in 3D, but I saw Avatar in 3D, and I think I think visually it's a dazzling film, and I think the the 3D is done very well, and I think it's it's such that is done so well that it distracts people from a bad story. And that's the thing is, and so, and so
1: I wasn't going to argue. Okay.
0: And I think some people say like, and some people would say like, but it's not about the story. It's like, okay, well, someone should tell James Cameron that because he's telling a story and telling it poorly. And then, but in the same way, like kids are all right. I think the, so avatar, you've got special effects and and all of that. And I don't mean to sound dismissive of that. It's great. He really Mm -hmm. creates a a whole other world. Um, Whereas kids are all right. I think it's the acting. If you were to read the lines on the page of "Kids Are All Right," mm-hmm. now, of course, I, I, it, okay, let me finish that thought. If you were to read the pa- the words on the page of "Kids Are All Right," I think you'd be like, "This is not good. Is this a first draft?" I think the actors elevate it, and Julianne Moore in that moment is great. I mm-hmm. think any idea of I think any 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 idea of her. dishonesty whether she's aware of it or not um i think that's purely a function of her now of course one could say it's also the function of the director giving her that note to play but part of me is like you i try not to emphasize the script as much as i used to Mm -hmm. when i was when i was younger and maybe even when we started this podcast um but when when a film is that that type of film then i feel like the script needs to be better than four or five separate instances of somebody saying, fuck you and leaving. And that's the end of the scene. Like, it, like either that is John Cassavetti's level, uh, realism or it's lazy writing. That is not. And that film is not John Cassavetti's level realism because in real, in reality, as you were saying, like her apology isn't worded p- perfectly mm-hmm. and that's great. That's a good thing. That's, they should continue with that. Um, <clears throat> but, like, and it fits with her character, but um but I don't know, it's but the the film there's there's enough moments of contrivance in the script that makes me question the moments where it's like, if this were a better script, I think I'd give that line more credibility,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but because there's so much other stuff where it's just like, oh, really, she goes searching and finds hair in the brush and oh that's a it's a reference to something that happened earlier in the script and okay I, I oh and they're talking about like oh we can't do this again oh smash cut to that they
1: just did it wah wah like so I, moments I, like see, that but, are that, to I, me what that moment undercut- is not played for comedy in my opinion if it were played like the wah wah like you're saying that would be Hackneyed.
0: I think it very much plays it for that, and their sex scenes in general are played for that. They're huh. they're more goofy than they are uh, not goofy, but they're comical and exaggerated.
1: Do you think so? I think they're like sort of. You know what? Maybe we're having different kinds of sex. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were. I mean, they were definitely exuberant, but I thought there was a uh, honesty to them. But I want to talk about, I want to talk about Avatar first. Okay. Because and, – and bring it back to the general topic that you and I have become more – because we uh, went in with this almost unstated, like, mission statement that you were talking about earlier, that it's okay for both of us to be right. Mm-hmm. We've been able to um, develop the things that we care about in film and bring them uh, to uh, to the discussions, and that's why – whereas – With The Kids Are All Right, there's a part of me that will probably never stop trying to convince you that it's a great movie. And I'll probably do the opposite. (laughs) Um, uh, But with Avatar, I totally understand everything you (laughs) like. But I still actually really (laughs) like Avatar. It was one of my top ten movies of the year, and I stand by that. Um, Even though I – yes, there's some intellectually dodgy stuff Mm -hmm. in it, and also – the dialogue is bad, but when you say he's not telling the story well, well, when you say people will say it's not about the story, I don't think that's quite right. He does develop a wor- world, but it is still about the story. When you say he's telling it, not telling it well, what you mean is he's not telling it well with the words, uh, and I agree with you. But I think with the images, which is something that I, as you know, a formalist, mm-hmm. that I, I, <laughs> oh, good. I, I'm not completely putting myself <laughs> in that corner, but uh, it is something that I value. Um, and a structuralist. That's my new thing. Um, <laughs> that's my new thing. I think thing. I said that last week, didn't I? I think so, yeah. Um, I, I, I think it is that um, Avatar visually is still more than the sum of its parts. It's not just a great uh, um, world that he's created. It has pr- propulsive forward momentum and taps into some primal desires about, you know, uh m- loving and dreaming and flying and freedom and Mm -hmm. all that kind of hokey stuff, but um, it goes back to the earnestness thing that we talked about last week. James Cameron means it. And I think when you get into the more specifically worded uh, allegories, Mm -hmm. um, he is forcing it a little bit more than the other stuff, which uh, uh, I think is more important to him, even if he maybe wouldn't, he might see it and insist or, or he present presented and insist that it's a this allegory about the environment right and you know uh, taking care of the, in, the environment and native peoples and stuff like that um but that's the thing the thing that I believe once a film <coughs> is made then whatever the director says is the point of it isn't I agree uh is no only relevant I'm talking about the film I'm ta- not yeah, talking about what the director said it's ours that. now yeah it is in a way ours now um so uh when I say that the uh, um, the environment, the the clumsy environment allegory, is um, a minor background misstep for Avatar, I believe that, and I believe that it can be true for me because that's the way I watched, and that's the way I experienced it. And I think that for for me, he's
0: he is trying to use the effects as a way of almost Trojan, Trojan horsing something that he, I mean, that is not a B story, nor is it even a B theme. I it mean, is, that is forefront. That is right there. And when I say it's, he tells the story poorly, I don't m- merely mean in the words. I mean in character archetype, I mean in structure of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, that's And here's the thing, like, he is a, a strong visual filmmaker. When the tree, when the giant tree comes down uh-huh. and, and ash is raining down, I mean, we all know what that is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we all know what that but seems like, like. And b- Before
1: we get too far afield okay. here, this is what I'm talking about. That you and I – because the idea of story structure and character arcs mm-hmm. and archetypes is uh, higher on the priority list for you. Yeah. It's going to rub you more the wrong way. And this is what we're talking about. We can both be right. And it's – and. Th-
0: but to me, it's it's almost like if, if the film was going to do what what you said, part of me's like, man, I wish it would just had I wish it had liberated itself from the idea of a story, you know, like I wish that it had been more. I mean, I brought up Tree of Life earlier. I wish that it had just been mm-hmm. like, we have characters, we have a story, it is the loosest possible thing, and we are going to go off and on a flight of fancy and just have it be a film all about discovery without having to make it about this. This other thing. It's almost like, oh, Cameron, didn't you realize what you had before you ruined it?
1: Yeah. I don't think he's ever going to be – James Cameron is not an impressionist. He's never going to be able to do that. (laughs) Um, Although I do wonder if someday the technology will advance to the place where you can create a world like – what's it called? Pandora. Pandora, yeah. um, And then just have an improvisational film within it. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Because of the way the technology works right now, obviously you have to – Yeah.
0: Everything uh, needs to be worked out almost years (laughs) in advance.
1: Yeah. um, But yeah, that would be wonderful if you could just do things like – I mean the the part my favorite part of avatar is when they tame and then fly the uh dragons yeah. at first the, the that first scene uh it's because it's there are things said in the scene that aren't important at all the mm-hmm. scene is totally uh, just about uh action and movement um and yeah i i honestly if it had, had more sort of stuff like that I- experiencing these emotions of like new discovery of a new world and new possibilities with your mind and body, which is what was important to me about it. Mm-hmm. If you could have an improvisational tree of life type film, but with the kind of kineticism yeah. of avatar, whereas tree of life is a little more elegaic. Is that how you, uh, that's a word I only read. <laughs> elegaic. Cause it would be elegy. So probably elegiac. Right? I don't know. Anyway. Um, uh, that would, yeah, but anyway, that film that like, uh, it, hyperkinetic but still impressionist version of avatar that i'm imagining in my head right now is amazing and that's that's what i would really like to see and and this brings
0: i i want to have this bring us back to what we were talking about which is the the ways in which we've changed i i honestly believe that five years ago if we were to have this discussion i think i would dismiss Avatar is terrible, which, by the way, I have uh, <laughs> on more than one lesson when I was left to my own devices and talked about it for an hour. And uh, by the end of it, wound up going maybe a little too extreme. Um,
1: but I don't think I've listened to that one.
0: <laughs> give it a listen. It's uh, it's a little rough it, enough to that I wrote a res- wrote an apology and then apologized in the next episode as well. Because um, I tend to listen to anything where you discuss a movie I've seen. It's. I stand by all the points, but my general tone was a little too dismissive.
1: Yeah. Um, and uh, by the way, I know, <clears throat> I know, I've brought this up before, um, and I don't want to embarrass you, but uh, people should listen to your Toy Story Three episode. Oh, okay. If they, uh, you know, people tell you know there are many different ways critically to approach uh, a film. You know, formalist, structuralist, but also based on your belief system, feminist, uh, politically, that are all valid. And if you are some sort of like too cool for school hip guy who doesn't think that a Christian approach to interpreting film can be helpful. Listen to the toy story three episode because it is uh, a fantastic and fascinating way of looking at that film that I think even if you're not a Christian would help you understand uh, or, or have a new way of understanding the way the story is told and what the uh, parable is.
0: Ah, shucks. <laughs>
1: I'm pretty sure I've done that before because I love that episode. I
0: I think so, yes, and I and I appreciate it every time. Um and uh but like so so yes, with with my avatar episode, I think I went a little off the rails, but I was able I didn't stand by that. I stood by I stand by the points, but absolutely. But my general tone, 5 years ago I'd be like, "Yeah. It's awful." <laughs> you know, like I th- I think I think as you get older, I just in general, but I think
1: again, and then that's why you and I would get into a fight about whether Memento was better than Mulholland Drive and I throw a bowl of popcorn across not the room. Not even if
0: it was better. But just just w- which one deserved to be nominated for more independent spirit awards? Literally. Yeah. That's what the argument was. Yeah. And I still it's still Mulholland Drive,
1: in my opinion.
0: But that's a, and and the argument that I was making at the time, though I did not make it, um uh, fully, was that Independent Spirit Awards. It's the it's an award show just like every other. Yeah. Just yeah. because it claims to trumpet this thing doesn't mean it's gonna. Usually, it's it's like okay, what independent film made the most money? Got it.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and, and so, how we, like,
1: how do you define independent? I mean, exactly. The, have the, the nominations come out this year? No, they wouldn't no, have not yet. yet. But uh, I oh just, wait, maybe they have stuff like Tree of Life and Take Shelter, two of my favorite movies of the year. Mm-hmm. Can you? You know, Fox Searchlight and Sony Pictures Classics, can you really call them independent? I mean, they cost a lot of money Yeah, and were released by studios, even if it was the quote-unquote indie wing. And again, both those are my two, <coughs> two of my favorite films of the year.
0: Yeah, I had a friend who uh, submitted a film to uh, Sundance. And he's like, he goes, I don't think it'll be accepted. It's too small. It's like, yeah, I feel like maybe Sundance has moved away from its roots when <laughs> yeah. you say the film is I too small. I guess that's what
1: Slamdance is for now. But, well, um, so,
0: okay, um Oh, so I think, I think as you, as you get older, but also because as I, to repeat what I was saying earlier, the fact that we have to talk about movies for an hour, once a week with each other. And so there's a sense of history of like, yeah, I'm, I can't let you get away with, not even so much. I can't let you get away with it, It's just like, well, I know you. <laughs> and so like, I know enough about you to be able to follow up with that at the very least from a personal level. Um, but then also just having listeners and that degree of accountability knowing full well that you could get emails back i think it requ- i think it inspires a sense of nuance and realizing not only is there one other point of view that i'm talking to but you know hundreds if not thousands of people that will email me and say i agree but for a completely different reason or i i disagree but i still see what you're saying which is bi- basically what you say mm-hmm. which is like you can see pretty much all my points about <laughs> Avatar, yeah, and the kids are all right, but um <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm joking about that uh you can see all those, but you say, but that's not what the film I think is about, and it's like, oh, all right, I think it is, and I think years ago, I would have been like, well, uh clearly this was this is what it's about um and so i think i think I think uh nuance hopefully comes with age, but also the nature of podcasting, the accountability that comes about from it, the responsibility to, okay, sorry about where I'm headed, to be something of a role model. Okay. In that, we've gotten a fair number of of emails from surprisingly young listeners. Right. 14, 15, that astounds me. And by the way, some of them, like, say like hey I write reviews too here's one and I read I'm like oh geez I've wasted my life this 14 year old writes way more eloquently than I ever will but um, so that's that's to say like it's not like I'm some kind of wise old man but uh, but you know when you have I, I remember back to when I was 14 and 15 and I didn't have anything like this <clears throat> I only had me and my friends and what I had and, and just films mm-hmm. and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that but knowing that we have an audience that is sometimes younger it's like well okay I shouldn't be an asshole yeah if I if I want to if I want to aspi- if I aspire to changing the tone which of course I don't aspire to that anymore i some delusions of grandeur there. But um, <laughs> but if that's something that I ever aspired to, then it's like, well, I need to be the one to change it. I yeah. need to change my tone. And yes, I do realize I said fuck you to the listeners earlier. but yeah, and, Not to the actual listeners, to some vague idea.
1: I'm, I'm glad you were clear, though, about what you meant, that there are people, there are listeners to whom we are role models because they've told us as much. Yes. We don't behave as if we're role models to everyone listening.
0: I never said I was a role model, David. <laughs> <laughs> That's what celebrities say. Um when they do uh, something wrong by I, the
1: way. I, I just I just wanted to cl- clarify that we don't think that we're necessarily instructive to everyone who's listening.
0: Right. No, I only say that because younger people have said like, "Oh, I, you know, I yes. I, I
1: found this show and and it was like and it's like, "Really? That's Okay. Well, this has gone way longer than I wanted it to, but there's one okay. uh recent thing that I've been working on that the show and, and criticism and stuff has helped me with, but I don't even know that I'm still all the way there, which is really learning to, um, and it, uh, this is a fake it before you make it, ty- fake it until you make it type of thing, because I do try to do this, but really learning to treat, uh, to treat highbrow, middlebrow, and lowbrow film all as film first, and not put them necessarily in, in, in boxes in such a way that I'll judge them by different standards. Mm-hmm. Um you know, lo- lo- low lowbrow and middlebrow art is just as vital as as highbrow. Maybe if you even look at the de- whatever the definition of vital means, lowbrow might be the most vital. Hmm. Um, uh, you know, and middle brow wins the most awards and highbrow stuff I think maybe is the kind of stuff that doesn't get recognized till it's too damn
0: good for awards, man. I think
1: no. I think it's the kind of stuff that doesn't get widely recognized till yeah. later, if at all. Yeah. Uh, but in any way, just trying trying to not like make any excuses but for for low brow. Maybe that's why. But and then again, you liked Real Steel. I I, I, I didn't hate real steel, but I think a lot of people liked it more than I did. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe part of that is because um, there were some concessions made, like just saying, oh, it's only trying to be this.
0: Right. I'm not even sure if I would say I liked it, liked it, more just pleasantly surprised, (laughs) um, which is kind of far. It's somewhat far from liking it, (laughs) but there are parts of it that I like. And, you know, it's interesting to go along with what you're saying. The way you even phrased it, I think, denotes something, a change in you and, I think, in me. You say, like, lowbrow, middlebrow, high highbrow art. You know, I'm trying to approach that. Okay. Years ago, I think, I can't. I won't speak for you, but I'll speak for me. Lowbrow is an art. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, it's, it's literally that. It's that much. Just the yeah. very fact that you're saying all three of them are art. That's not the question. The question is, what do we val- how do we individually value each one? And so, whereas I think yeah. years ago when I was younger and I perhaps a bit more brash, um, I think I would have, there's entire genres of film and okay, epic movie, I'm not sure if I would consider that art simply because it is such a financial calculation. Mm-hmm. And even that I'm a little iffy on just saying that I could say it's bad art. It yeah. is unrealized potential, I could say any number of things but um, but years ago, I definitely would have said like this film is art, this film is not real, almost any, real still is not art, right. like I would have said that ten years ago, yeah, I might have even said it five years ago, and so I think I think that attitude um, is really one of the best ones that that any that a film critic certainly but any film student should have, which is be looking to be looking to accept more than you mm-hmm. know reject
1: yeah and i think a good a music example is helpful keep in mind that the ramones were uh a lowbrow act that were also at the forefront of one of the most important musical artistic movements of the 20th century mm-hmm. and it's yeah it's
0: critics have gotten a bad rap and that is often as a function of critics of like what we want to do. I think (laughs) Mm -hmm. there might be, there might be some, I don't think this is the case for all of it. If even maybe even some of them, I think in the minority, there are some that maybe aspired to certain things as you and I did, um, when we moved out here and then that didn't happen. And there does seem to be for some, a general idea of like, well, screw them. Mm -hmm. You know, like I worked enough to know how a film should be. And all that sort of thing. And I think... uh, But I think that stigma has been attached to pretty much all critics. Mm -hmm. And I think the best way to... To deflect that... Is to show that you are willing to... Go anywhere a film takes you. Now whether the film works for you or whether mm-hmm. the film achieves what you think it's trying to achieve, not even necessarily what the filmmaker's trying to achieve, but what you think that where the film is headed, whether it actually arrives there or not, mm-hmm. that's up to you to decide. And if you think a film is bad, then by all means say it's bad. But um, but to... And we've said this a million times. To be willing to meet the film where it is at rather than require that it meets you in the one place, by the way, where you are. I think that's... I think that is, Biggest thing that I've gotten out of being a film student in general, but doing this podcast,
1: yeah, the, the the podcast and the internet in general, and the thing I was talking about, like having blinders on to the rest of the podcasting world, taking those off has been a big help and mm-hmm. seeing things because um, a lot of a lot of internet film criticism wholly embraces uh, lowbrow art, uh, lowbrow cinema, um, and I think that's fantastic. You know, um, I think because I think a lot of the um, I certainly think the Sam Raimi Super or Spider-Man rather movies mm. uh, would be considered uh, lowbrow, but in mm-hmm. a, um, I mean that in the best way. Whereas maybe Christian Bale's Batman stuff is a m- bit more middlebrow because it quote unquote takes itself more seriously. You won't even say it's Christopher Nolan's. Uh, did I what, uh, what did you said I say? Christian Bale's. Oh yeah, I meant Christopher Nolan's. So That's weird <laughs> that I would do that. Yeah, I always try to say the director. Um, but I I can't remember. If it was on my list when we did our top 10 of the decade, but uh, nonetheless, one of my favorite films of the past de- uh, rec- the previous decade was Bong Joon-ho's The Host.
0: Um, I don't think it was on your
1: top 10. Okay. Um, but I do think that's an outstanding and stellar film, but I also think that 10 years ago, maybe even five, but probably, yeah, maybe five, but definitely 10 years ago, I would have said, yes, that was a fun movie, but I would have serious yeah and probably more middle
0: ground. yeah probably it's yeah because we have an idea of what we're supposed to be right and uh and then you realize and maybe and I think this is a good thing about the internet in general is you realize there are so many opinions out there supposed to doesn't really mean much anymore <laughs> and so just be what you are and I think that's I don't mean to say like hey kids be what you are but just for me that is kind of what is has come about i mean as i said i wrote a blog recently about this feeling of like being a fraud because i'm not this thing mm-hmm. and tr- and trying desperately to reject this notion of trying to be what i think a critic like this image of, of a critic as opposed to well who what's the critic i'm going to be who's that and i think doing on a as to go back to what we were talking about earlier on a personal level the film the, this podcast has really helped to shape what i want to be as a critic and what we want this show to be of course and uh so yeah
1: well you know what i want to be what's that at home asleep because i'm sick fair enough so let's wrap this up um i do want to end on one schmaltzy super sappy note all right back on episode 52 if you'll recall Mm -hmm. and we were just about it was our obviously that's a one-year anniversary sure was and we were just about ready to wrap up and then you interjected to say something really nice about me about how you didn't want you wouldn't have wanted to do the podcast without me Mm -hmm. and it's i know it's been did i say that yeah it's Uh. been like four four years since that but it really stuck with me so i wanted to say that not only do i echo that sentiment that there's no one else i'd want to do this podcast with um uh, i also want to add that if i had started doing this podcast with someone else i wouldn't still be doing it now the only person i want to do this podcast with for five years and for five years to come is you Thank you, David. That's very nice of you. So you can find us at battleshipretention.com or on iTunes. You can email us at david at battleshipretention.com or tyler at battleshipretention.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Twitter.com slash pretension and follow Tyler on Twitter at Twitter.com slash MoreLessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you can find at MoreThanOneLesson.com or on iTunes. And you can find my other podcast, the weekly television review show, previously on it, previouslyonshow.com or in iTunes. Uh, by the way, over at com, there's always uh, new reviews of theatrical releases and of dvd and blu-ray releases and some other features going up um all this the time. year there, this, this this week this week there you will there'll be reviews no this this coming week by the way is what i'm saying oh, there yeah. there will be reviews of um in fact steven spielberg's war, war horse that review is probably up by the time you're listening to this mm-hmm. and also um i might mispronounce this but Ascar Ferrati's. A Separation, there'll be a review of that. Uh, Spoiler alert, it's one of the movies of the year. You should definitely be checking out A Separation if it comes to your town. Uh, So that's what's going on at battleshipretention.com. Thank you so much for listening for 249 weeks. And you won't want to miss next week either. It'll be fun. So thank
0: you. (laughs) Thank you for listening, and we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.